Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where are those audiences? That's exactly what Ben Cameron was talking about. They're online. So how can we bring what we know about the human condition and about storytelling, which is the most important thing in the world? We need to talk about songs. Somebody has to make conversation. People talk while dancing. Hi, everybody. It's Bob Ost. It's our Friday True Community Gathering. We've been doing this ever since April 17th, 2020. We thought we'd be we'd done with COVID by now, didn't we? We're far from done with COVID. As cautious as I've been, I rarely go out. I rarely go into public places. I always go out with a double mask, and I've caught COVID. So um, you're seeing me here right now with COVID. I did the test, the home test yesterday, and it was positive. I was very sick on Wednesday, and I've got a variant that is... Uh, described in all the news articles. Basically, it says people that are vaccinated who come down with Omicron, uh, it manifests itself as a a digestive problem. It it becomes uh, nauseating, tired, weak, really sick. I never want to feel that way ever again. But that was my Wednesday. I was better yesterday and I'm better today. But nevertheless, this is just a way of saying it can happen, everyone, as careful as you might be. So, that's not to discourage you from being cautious. Uh, it's to encourage you to be as cautious as you've been and continue being cautious. Because <laughs> what does cautious rhyme with? <laughs> I don't want anybody to, to go through what I went through on Wednesday. But I'm very lucky because it was only one day and everything seems fine right now. But I'm going to be obviously quarantining. So <laughs> we're still talking about COVID. <laughs> we see theater trying to open <laughs> and we see... We see COVID saying no over and over again. In our world, in New York, uh, in London, everywhere, shows are opening and people are getting infected and the shows have to close. I don't know whether we're gonna, when we're going to get out of this, this cycle, but uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, we're told. We're told that, that we're getting closer and closer to uh, a place where, well, COVID is now manageable. Uh, if you get Omicron, it's not it's not as serious, but we still need to be smart and we need to be cautious and we need to we need to be masked and careful. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's the way it is, guys. Uh, people that are that are COVID deni- anti vaxxers and COVID deniers and climate deniers, I don't understand any of you. Bless your hearts. You believe what you believe and. I'm not the one to tell you to not to, to change who you are or what you think, but uh, do think about the repercussions uh, for other people on this planet. Do think about whether maybe the a conscience would come into being more careful and maybe not damaging the world any more than it's been damaged. And I'm saying this if I say if you're out there and you and you believe what you believe, you're just not you're not going to. Th- you're not going to like me for saying any of this anyway. I don't mean any harm, though. We love you. You're a fellow human being, and we have to live with you on this planet. So 
we'll do the best we can together. So we're still talking about COVID. We're still talking about virtual because a lot of things still have to be virtual. We're doing a benefit on March 20th. And uh, the most sensible way that I thought for us to do it was the same we did it, did it last year would be a virtual event. I got a guest today who's <laughs> been trying to convince me that that virtual was the wave of the future since, oh, oh at least 10 years ago. I don't know how long ago it's been. But K Catherine, uh, welcome into the room and welcome to True. And it's good to have you as a guest. When did you first start telling me that I should really be aware of, of all this stuff? I don't know. When did I meet you? <laughs> I mean, I, I started doing this in 2007. So in 2007, I was, can I give like a two minute biography? Absolutely. Like why I ended up here? I am a theater, or was, a theater, 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 theater person. I went to Northwestern. I was on premise actor's theater of Louisville. And do you remember how we know each other? Not through this? Through you submitted else? yourself as an actress to me for a show that I was doing. Oh, see, I don't remember that. And, and that's how we met. I don't being an actor at all anymore. Oh, my God. I that's how we met. That. God, I don't, see, I don't remember that. Life is so long ago. But if anybody who is out there is an actor, and many of you are, you know, if you love the work, and I loved the work, it is so painful to never get to do it. So I started to find, when online video came out, I started to realize that, oh my goodness, this is a way to green my own work. And I started doing my own work online. So I, so I joined True as a self-producing producer in your first fall program. So, so whenever that was, is when I, but I did my first live stream in 2007. And the story I always talk about that is I had been doing online video and started to get to know people in the online video world back then. Um, it was a new media world then. It was the startup world. It was all the same thing. It was a very, very welcoming and open world. I went to every event, made a ton of friends. So very quickly, I knew everyone. And I was doing an online video at the time, an online video series at the time, um, which came from something I was self-producing. But that aside, um, and I had um, some friends doing... There was a platform called Justin TV, which many of you might know now because it's Twitch TV now worth $15 billion. But Justin TV launched on March 17th, I believe 2007. And a month later, another platform called Ustream launched. And these were the first like really, really accessible. Anybody could go online and live stream. And a friend of mine did a show. So I went, you know, it's the middle of the afternoon. I went to see my friend Jeff and Chris do their show online and I'm watching it and I'm thinking of oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And then the thing that's most important that it took me a while to relearn is then they started talking to the audience and they're like, oh, so-and-so's here from Florida and so-and-so's here from so-and-so. And I'm like, oh my God, like global audience or at least national audience. And they're like, oh, Catherine Jones is here from New York. And I go, oh my God, I'm in the show. Oh my God, I'm in their show. And literally like my heart started to beat like this. And I realized this is a future for the performing arts. And I did my first live streamed event, which was, I didn't understand the medium quite yet. So, but what I did is six months later, I did a 10 episode, 10 minute live web series written by a guy named Char White, like a Broadway guy who's, you know, my husband's best friend and directed by a, by a Sundance guy, which matters when I'll tell you what the biggest thing I learned from it. But, um, but we did 10, 10 minute live episodes, five cameras live online from a five story um, brownstone in Harlem. And that was the first thing I did. So been doing it since then. So um, 
I wasn't all that open to it back then. I didn't understand it. I just didn't understand it. I was so focused on keeping things going with True and having our live panels and our live meetings and our live programs and workshops and all this. And when when COVID hit, I was just terrified of, of going into Zoom. I, I thought that I thought that it would be less personal. I thought that that it, you see, you 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 actually pulled out exactly one of the things that became an aha, aha moment for me, which is that yes, the people that are in the room are actually participants and they actually do feel part of it uh, if you're doing it right. I mean, I hope I'm doing it right every week. I hope that everybody in the room feels like they're, they're, they're a part of this community. For us, it was because we couldn't get together live and yet over, almost it's almost two years now we've been doing this and people are so grateful to be in the room with people and we have learned to socialize it's it was a, it was a lesson in, in a different kind of socialization understanding how to socialize virtually some people don't do it some people still can't do it and don't want to do it but here we are uh, i finally caught up a little bit with you i certainly don't have the sophisticated knowledge and and, and skills that you have so let's talk about the different aspects of of what you've learned over the years pre-covid and then tell me if anything has changed from COVID. Nope, nothing's changed. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm not, well, I mean, truly, in some ways, I would say nothing has changed from what I thought beforehand. But I do think that this is a great, great, great opportunity. So I was thinking a lot about this before we did this. And I want to read something, if I can, that you inspired or true inspired for me, which was um, years ago, 2014, 13, I don't know when Ben Cameron came and spoke to us the spa program said, and so I started to like, listen to everything he said. And he did, um, he did the keynote at the association of arts administrators way back in like 15 or something. And I'm quoting him. And this is what I think is now happening. And I mean, this is what, what Ben Cameron said way back then, but I think this is what zoom has made clear. We're essentially in the midst of a realignment of cultural expression and communication. The crisis we, we face is a crisis of urgency and of relevance and how do we see the present, and in this case, this COVID present, as an invitation in the arts to fundamentally reinvent what we do and how we operate? And, you know, I have believed this since 2007 when I had that aha moment. But I think that we're all starting to see this now that, like, live theater in a space is un, it's un, unrepeatable. Like, there, there's nothing like that experience. But these virtual things that we can do and continue to get more and more creative are an and to life theater and an and to being in, and nothing replaces it. It's not a replacement. It isn't even a financial replacement. It never has been. It's yes. Um, and. It's, an and. it's, it's the improv. Thing. Yes. And it's, yeah. And one of the things I say all the time is everything I know about digital media, I learned in theater and yes. And is one of them. And that's one of the biggest, biggest yes. ands. so, so I would say like the two most important things, interactive, 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 interactive. And what was the other one? I don't remember the other one, but I'll think about it. There's something else that's come up a lot during COVID, but I'll, I'll think about it. I'll, I'll remember what it is. Well, one of the things I, I said talking about our benefit was that, that my one um, piece of advice to everybody who comes in to, do, to create a show for us in our benefit is anything but talking heads in frames. I've actually gotten a little soft yeah. about that. I now, I now I say... Let's go beyond talking heads and heads and frames because talking heads and frames have their place. I mean, it's it's the it's the toolkit. There are there are different tools. The, the only thing that a lot of us were aware of was Zoom and these boxes and me being in this in this box and you being in that box over there. And 
the assumption among all of us theater people was, oh, we can't do anything interesting or theatrical using this. This is this is so limited. It's so boxy. But no, it's it's its own medium, and that's that's one of the ahas that we had to go through in the past year and a half. Was going, wait a second. I can't think of this as theater. I can't think of this as film. I have to think of this mm. as something that's in between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to admit, I haven't seen enough to know what people have done really creatively with it. I am both a Zoom fan and a Zoom hater. I'm like, I'm a Zoom fan because it's easy. And I think that matters. You know, like Andy, who's on this, like does I mean, ginormous dreams all the time, too. Like we can have you can have President Biden come on with no prep. He knows what to do. Like it's easy and he knows what to do. And we start to like, if anybody out there is like using tools like OBS, you can use Zoom as an audience room, but shoot something more sophisticated that you created in OBS into your Zoom. So again, it's in Zoom, but it's a way to up your Zoom game. When I said Zoom before, I was using it like Kleenex. It was the generic. Yeah, it's virtual. Because yeah, oh we, have to, we have to be aware of all the tools that are, that are available to us yeah. in, the, in the kit. And yeah. that's that's why you're here. I think I think I want you to sort of let people know some of the tools, some of the things that are available, things that we might not have thought about. How you've been doing this now for a long time. Yeah. I I have to tell you, I just can't believe I finally caught up to you. It's like I'm not caught up to you, but I'm at least I'm I've sort of taken this step into virtual. After you've done panels for me and I've listened to them and I've not done anything. Well, I think it freaks people out. I mean, like. I think it scares people. I think, you know, I think it scares people because it, it feels like a letting go of something. I think it feels like for those of us who like, you know, I was born in the sixties. For those of us born in that world, it feels like you're letting something go. But the thing that I was always really obsessed with was our audiences, you know, like I don't have these numbers anymore because I don't pursue this so much. But in 2017, we were losing audiences at a rate of 10%, 12% year after year, after year, after year. For like you're talking about in, in commercial in commercial theater or in commercial theater, yeah. And so, like, where are those audiences? That's exactly what Ben Cameron was talking about. They're online. So how can we bring what we know about the human condition and about storytelling, which is the most important thing in the world? This is the thing I'll say about tools, because they matter. But all of these tools matter, but they are a means to an end. They are not the end in and of themselves. Because what are we here to do? Like, emotions cause action. Like, story is what makes makes change people don't make a change in their life because of the facts they make a change in their life because they've had an emotion and once they've had that emotion they will go find the facts to support that emotion so what our job is of course is to tell stories so how do we do that with this technology and some of it is zoom some of it is god i'm not even gonna remember the names i use because i'm a snob about it i use really 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 like high-end mixing stuff like i don't use Streamlabs, Streamyard. i don't use Streamyard. there's but it's there's great things about StreamYard. Like, I, I think it's funny, Andy, again, I keep talking about him who's here, has this really funny, I'll send it around, uh, post that he just put up on LinkedIn about like, you start and you start with this and then you realize you need to move to OBS and then you realize there's StreamYard and then you start learning about bandwidth. Like, there's so many tools and you do need to know them. And the most important thing about them is they are tools to an end and the end is storytelling and connectivity, you know, and interactivity. Well, Let's talk about what, you, what you've been doing over these years, because your business has, I think it's got four parts to it. Because I also want to talk about the social media, because you're, you're, yeah. you're, really, you're really smart about social media. Your company is called The Collective? Collective Agency. I, I did have a company called Virtual Arts TV, which was all live streaming performing arts and 
I had to give that up because no one wanted to pay me to do it. But in the 2016 election, I made it this big pivot. And so much of my work in the past five years has been political, but also uh, social good, which does not mean I'm closed off to going, I'm whatever. Like I'm very open to anything that's about making positive change in the world. So we've done a ton. I mean, I know this is something you want to talk about. We've done a ton of fundraisers. And um, that started because of this Zoom thing that you see all the time. I kind of figured out in 2017 for the Women's March. And I figured it out kind of by mistake, but somebody came to me and said, how do we bring in all these speakers from all over the world? And I thought, oh, what if we use a conferencing app, which this is, but we use it like it's a camera and bring that conferencing app one square at a time into a mixer and mix it like you would mix. So like, you know, in a television studio, you've got three cameras and they're all coming into your mixer and you overlay graphics and you cut videos in between them and et cetera, et cetera. That's what I did for the Women's March in 2017. I did all of the Women's March globals for three days. So I was cutting from Barcelona to Oaxaca, like in this little tiny office. But that kind of opened up this fundraising thing when everybody uh, had, couldn't do their galas anymore. And um, this is what I'll say about it. Like that's helpful to people. So what makes our fundraiser successful is yes, the talent, like happily one of the pluses of COVID for people was that all these huge Hollywood and Broadway stars would perform for free. And so a lot of the events that we did were, are just star-studded with spectacular, but well, with spectacular performances, though that is not necessary. I think other things matter more, but we could do them over Zoom and make them make people feel like, one of the things that I feel like I've learned in the theater is what I call the black box. And this is what I mean, and I know all of you guys will understand this. If you're doing a play for a very, very tiny budget, and you're in the shittiest black box you can possibly afford, but you want people to come into that theater and pay attention to your play and feel like you're glad that they're there so that they can then like not worry about the rats running underneath their feet and really focus on your work and hopefully be transported. What do you do? You make sure that black box is perfect. You sweep that hallway. You have signs for people. You mop the floor. You do whatever you can so that your black box is as perfect as possible. And I believe in that really, really strongly with live streaming as well. No matter what you're doing, no matter what your budget, you want to make it as smooth and seamless and as professional as you possibly can because that gives your audience the, the ability to relax and go, okay, they got it. They got me. Now I can focus on what they're trying to say to me as opposed to the anxiety of the virtual rat running under your feet. So, um, well, so that's I, I, that actually comes out of the heading of details. Um, what, what, yeah. you know, what people forget when they're producing live or on virtual, they forgot they've got to take care of all the details. In, yeah. Our, yeah. in our benefit last year, we had... We had opening credits. We had we had videos, uh, testimonials. We had a voiceover in the dark and introducing each seg segment. Uh, it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to give the appearance, the illusion of being in a theater. Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, you, you think you have to think through every detail. It's not yep. just not just quick cut from this to that to this to that. Yeah. The transitions matter. The transitions always matter. Yep. Yeah, and you know, it's not, that was all pre-recorded, right? Yeah. Well. I'm trying to remember. I have to ask Aiden. I'm trying to remember. I think there were a couple of people who wanted to do live speeches. And so we actually had the, the ability for them to come in. And she, she has her own platform. It's an OBS type thing yep. that she uses. And she can mix and she can throw, some, she can throw something in live if she needs to. Uh, but for most of it, was it was 90% was recorded. I mean, it sounds but amazing. it was pre-recorded pre in a way so that I, 
I was being a playwright. I was being a writer. I was thinking about how can I make people think this is live? So it was, it was written in a way so that it sounded like it was live. People would, would, if I knew that this was going to be followed by that, I would have the person that's following that mention, oh boy, wasn't it fun seeing Jill Pace? So it's all about the illusion. Theater is always illusion anyway. So here's a, here's a key question I want to ask you. What makes it theater? If we're doing something on Zoom, what makes it theater? I do not know. Okay, that's a really good question. Gosh darn it, Bob. I've thought about this all day, and that is not a question I thought about. What makes it It's interesting. It's a question that comes up all the time. I have an answer, but I'll, I want to see what you say. I'm not sure I'm going to have a good answer. I'm really interested to hear what yours is. What makes it theater? I it's don't know. theater I because, say we, say it it's because we say it is. It's theater because we say it is. I mean, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. I mean, honestly, when I was fighting with equity, when I did some of my past things, and I kept saying, like, they won't. I was like, well, maybe it's not theater. And they're like, well, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's theater. But in this, but now we can spin it. Whereas 10 years later, it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck. Therefore, it's theater. Exactly. And basically, it's because we're, we're, we're creating, we're, we're recreating an experience on film. Admittedly, it's filmed. But we're trying to create it in a theatrical way. Our our sensibilities are theatrical. I think that somebody that was from the film world might might be doing these things differently than we are doing them. Yeah, you know, dance has always done a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant job of this. And this is, again, like why I think it is an and, not an instead. Dance has always kind of understood, and I remember this from 13 years ago, that filming dance is not the same thing as watching a dance. And I would mostly, mostly advocate for if you are filming a play, to not set up, certainly never. I mean, I, I've never seen a play where I want to see the camera set up like this. Never. Like, maybe there's a play where that happens, but I mostly find you want them here and here and here and then here and here. Because it depends on, because it depends on, like, how that play is blocked. But you also want to give people an experience they can't have in a theater. You know, you want to give them the close-ups they could never have in the theater. You might want to direct their eye more. You definitely want to direct their eye more than they wouldn't. you would in the theater because just tension like one of the things I remember again and everything I've learned I learned in the theater I remember acting at Northwestern and my teacher talking to us this was an acting class but like even in an acting scene you never wanted two people standing because there's no tension in two people standing and I would say the same is true from a wide shot there is no tension in a wide shot you always want to be cutting from tight from you know from camera to camera to camera to camera because if I'm now watching on a two-dimensional screen I've got to recreate some of the tension that isn't going to come through through a camera lens through a through a you know through a two-dimensional screen by the way that like you guide the viewer's eye through that experience you know it's all very mysterious and I don't know if I have there's some great great stuff going on in the chat by the way I know and I'm having a hard time I'm seeing there's great stuff I'm having a hard time reading and doing that Katrine says well old school thinking theater requires presence the presence of performers and audience sharing a space in a certain time but we we are recreating that with Zoom. The, the other thing that, that surprised us about Zoom, surprised almost all of us, those of us who haven't realized it yet are going to eventually figure it out. It's intimate. Yeah, it's super intimate. And one of the things I always advise my clients about is like sometimes they want to do these big fancy shows as a webinar and I push so hard for them because no matter what, we're shooting the show into Zoom. So the show is happening somewhere else when we do it most of the time. But no matter what, I push so hard for them to do it as a Zoom room because so the audience can see each other, so you can see the audience, so we can chat to each other. And can I, I want to say something, um, Katrin, about, and I remember you from so well back, it's so nice to see you, about presence. 
there, I think that that is also an and. And what I'm going to tell everybody to do is go to Twitch, go to Twitch, go to Twitch. It is a $15 billion live streaming platform. It is a gaming platform. However, like the Just Chatting's channels are the most popular channels on the platform. But my point is those audience members, they feel like they're present. The, when you, the thing about Twitch that is so effective and the reason why their viewer times are 90 minutes as opposed to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, which are about three seconds to four minutes, is because they make the audience members a part of the show. And true or not, and we could take this to a psychologist up the wazoo, their audiences feel like they intimately know their hosts and they feel like they're present. Are they? But, and like, you know, again, like I was born in the 60s. I have a whole kind of different perspective, but if we are going to grow awareness for the performing arts, not just sell tickets, but grow awareness and grow audiences, I think that's going to matter for the future of the performing arts is to speak to that generation in languages that they respond to and their idea of presence for better or worse is really different from mine. Emelina Pedigo quotes, quotes uh, Peter Brook uh, from oh. the empty room. I think it, it, it's in the empty space. All you need is an interaction and a viewer to make it theater. Oh. Again, verse, you know, there, there's simpler ways of looking at theater. We can't say that anything on virtual platform is live theater, but we can say that it's theater if we choose to okay, say Okay, but that. we say NFL football is live football. Like, why is Monday Night Football live, but theater isn't? Well, you know what? It is live if it's being performed live, if it's live streaming, sure. If it's been pre-recorded and pre-edited, oh, maybe not, maybe not. Then, you know, then it's yeah, more in the film world. But yeah, actually, that is another distinction we we should keep in mind. Live. What are the live elements like? I had to think about that last year and this year as well. I wanted there to be live elements. The live element we finally put into our benefit last year was a reception afterwards. Uh, basically, I had six plays. I had six breakout rooms. Each room represented one of the plays and had celebrity pe celebrities in each room, and people just went th from room to room and met people and talked. That was live. That was interactive. That's great. So that, that was the one thing. We're going to do that again this year. That's so great. in general, I, you know, to everybody, I, think about what, is, what can be the live, live aspects of your virtual presentation, of your virtual event uh, or, or uh, fundraiser. Oh, can't keep up with all, all the all the chat. Oh my goodness! Definition of presence changes with the generations. I, I'll throw out a couple other ideas to make things live, depending on what you're doing and what's appropriate. But, but wait, I want to tell another story too. The first night I went live with something, and again, like I said, I'll circle back to this. You know, this live stream web series that I did in 2007. Back then, there's on this platform called UStream, and there was a chat room next door. And I was like, "Well, we're turning off the chat room because this is theater." And you know, I have a Broadway writer. He wasn't a Broadway writer then, but he was on his way. And I, have, you know, and I turned the chat room off. And this was September seventh, September nineteenth, two thousand seven. And learned that night. That's not why people come online. People come online to chat. People come online to see and be seen, which is really different from a theater where you go to not be seen because we're going to turn off the lights and we're going to focus all the attention on that theater. People come to a live experience to see and be seen. So there's so many ways to make that happen, some of which are appropriate in a play or, or, or in a, a fundraiser. Some are not, but there are so many easy ways to pop up people's names in a branded, beautiful way live. If they're donating, like not just call out their name, but like have Bob's name pop up and like, thank you, Bob. So Bob can see his name. There's also like one of the things that I try to do in my virtual fundraisers. And again, so much of this comes from gaming is give people a reason 
to donate and try think I'm throwing this out there for your event. See if this works potentially to donate more than once. Like assumedly, most people who come to the fundraisers I produce pay for that ticket. Even though ultimately we make it available to anybody, they pay for the ticket and that's the bulk of the fundraising. But if can you find ways to get people to donate multiple times? So like as an example, one of the things we did for the um, ERA coalition was we had a necklace and the first that said 28th Amendment, because if the ERA passes, it will be the 28th Amendment. The first, I can't remember, 25 people to donate $100 got that necklace. So the cost of that necklace I mean, ultimately, I don't remember what the net profit was on that, maybe 60 bucks, but that is 60 times 25 that they wouldn't have made otherwise. But can you do that with a true benefit? Is there something that you can auction off live during the show that is only happening during the show, but that anybody who bought a ticket might be interested in donating again for the opportunity to buy that? Or here's another crazy idea that I'm dying to do, and no one's ever been willing to do this before if enough people donate a certain amount of money, somebody performs live. Like if you can like say like, you know, some, uh, I'll say something crazy. Gwyneth Paltrow is going to see memories from cats. If 50 people donate a hundred dollars and she's going to do it live right here. You could get a lot of people to donate a hundred dollars to see Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, honestly, whatever, you know, fill that <laughs> in with a better star and a, a more appropriate star. But if there was a, a performer willing to do that and many are not, that could be super exciting. <laughs> well, Joe Nelms, make a note. <laughs> Joe Nelms, make a note that we're going to have a meeting with Catherine, and we're going to talk th through some of this because, yes, I'll, you know, we'll, we can we can find ways of incorporating some of this into our into our. Uh, RK benefit. wants you to sing memories, Bob. <laughs> oh boy, will that be a memory for everybody? I wish I sang better. I'm a songwriter. I can't sing my own stuff. It's really terrible. <laughs> anyway, is. If, yeah, Jay, if Jay Shikhan is still still here, Jay, I want you to keep an eye on the chat for me and really draw my attention to any comments that I really should should. Uh, well, Tracy's just uh, Tracy just that she made more money in a fundraiser when the auctioner called up people's names. And the community celebrated it. It's huge revenue, and one of the reasons for that is like, why do people go to a real fundraiser? There's lots of reasons, but one of them is to compete with people and be seen. And the auction process is competitive, and people spend more money. And that's, again, a reason why to have an option in an open room where you see each other's faces, not a webinar. I think I'm starting too late. We, we, we normally do have done auctions in the past. I didn't have access to any kind of uh, really yeah. big ticket items during COVID. Now there's the possibility, but I haven't really been going, all, going after people. And also, I still don't know what's going to happen with theater. I mean, it's open, it's closed, it's open, it's closed. It's just, I mean, I do an auction, I can get 10 producers to donate tickets to shows so that people can bid on them. And who knows if the shows are going to are, are going to close? Who knows? It's just it's just too. It's well, too, we'll uh, talk and maybe we'll come up with something super creative that is super. I mean, like obviously not you singing memories, but there could be something <laughs> that has value to the community that has real value to the community just for the fact that it happens, as opposed to no, who knows? Okay. Well, I actually want to switch over. I'd want to switch away sure. from the true benefit. I want to keep keep on, on you and what you do. What are the four parts of your business? Let's let's really just get get simple. Again. I don't know what the four parts of my business. Okay, it's so on your web on your website it says live streaming. Oh oh, we do tons of video production, and again, like everything I know about video production comes from my background in the theater. Live streaming, video production, graphics, and social media, and like all of those things matter. So like again, like tool tool tool. If you are doing a live stream, part of the challenges, of course, is building an is distribution, building an audience getting that audience engaged, 
awareness. And what I have seen people do really, really, really successfully, I'm going to tell you guys basic stuff, which maybe you already know, have a toolkit, make sure you have a social media toolkit beforehand. What does that mean? That means you have graphics that are sized for every platform just there on um, ideally like a Google Drive, like something really accessible, like not on your website where you have to download it, something like a Google Drive where everybody can go beforehand and be like, hey, I'm going to the true benefit. Will you will you join me? Get all of I mean, this is such basic stuff, but it might be new new for people. Have all of that ready for while you're live. Have somebody tweeting while, first of all, definitely stream to Twitter. Twitter is, um, you won't get huge audiences there, but that is where press is. So you know, press is going to see it. That's where they're going to see it. And I have had clients be really, really successful with tweeting out the show live and then re retweeting the show every time they tweeted something that was happening on the show. So that's, and, and have that all like in docs prepped ready. I mean, you know, you run a show, you roughly know what time people are having are, are that's happening for also, here's another one of the things we do all the time, especially if you have celebrities involved, make them an invitation to sit, share on their social with their face on it. Like, just do it, like make it branded for them because they are going to share it more if their face is on it. So like, those are just things that like help you build that audience and get your, I keep talking, like, I feel like everything I do comes from both theater, but also gaming. And I was at a gaming conference and this is something to think about. Like if you have celebrities involved, really, because you guys are worth it, push them to invite their audience. Cause to some degree, there's no point in having a celebrity if they're not going to bring their audience. Now that is a very black and white statement, but that is a bit, it's a very black and white statement. I can see the reasons for having them, but um, this comes from a, from a company where you're, you're really trying to raise a million dollars for muscular dystrophy association or something. And if the celebrity's not pulling for you, you're not going to raise a million dollars, but even still like you want them pulling for you if you can, because it's going to make a huge difference in fundraising. And again, awareness, 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 email lists, follow through all of those things community, all of those things. So make it worth their while, put their faces on things. If you have a graphic designer, it's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. So, and also like the video, you know, one of the things I always say is that a live stream could be many things. And some of the most successful ones I've seen are completely unscripted. Like some of the most brilliant things are get a bunch of celebrities to read a sitcom, you know, like those things have are incredibly fun. It's a surprise. This is something that I always talk about. Go well, on, I just, go I on. just want to point out that your idea about Gwen, uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow taken. <laughs> it's really taken <laughs> off in, in, in the chat. Sean Pollock says he would donate so hard to see Gwen sing Memory. Well, Melina <laughs> Pettigo says, I donate to stop her. I'm with you, Annie. <laughs> totally with you. So uh, there's an idea. Um, Tita, I see that. I will check that out. Thank you. Um, Tita's saying to check out um, a dress list at Rattlestick, which is by Jonathan Payne. And, you know, again, like whatever you think of gaming, and I have lots of thoughts in it, I work in it sometimes, they have figured this out. And they're brilliant in the way that they activate their audience and keep their audience. They make their audience feel like they are part of the show and they are so loyal and they watch for hours and come back and come back and give so much money. So there's a lot to be learned. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't know. You can talk about gaming and I'll just go... Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea about any of it. I know I should. Basically, when life says do it, I do it. Life said do do virtual. Uh, it yeah. said it in March, in March of 20, uh, 2020, so I did it. Life has not said 
learned gaming to me yet. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. For I don't think you should learn gaming, but maybe read about like there's a there's a platform you guys called Tiltify. If anybody knows it or doesn't know it, and Tiltify is the fundraising platform for gaming, and it's worth just looking at because of the tools they build into gaming. Gaming fundraisers, I don't know what they made, what they made last year. Something like ninety million the year before. I mean, they raised millions of dollars, mostly in small donations, millions. And because they have gamified that process, you know, they they have all sorts of milestones they set up, like the Gwyneth Paltrow idea is a great milestone. Rewards like the necklace idea, great reward. All these things that keep the audience leaning forward. Can I talk about this super quick? I'm gonna. I just want to talk about this a little bit. Um, okay. Oh wait. One of the things that I think is crazy important about online video, I always say that like you can be Netflix or you can be Twitch and there's no in between if you use Netflix and Twitch as a metaphor. And Netflix is super, 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 super high quality content that will get people leaning back in their chair and just watching. But for everything else, like we could even ask this question, like how many people have, well, I often when I'm running, a pro, when I'm running an event, will ask people 15 minutes in, how many times have you clicked away? And everybody's clicked away two or three times because on your computer, you are leaning forward and you are leaning forward with your keys about to be on the keyboard, looking for the moment when your gut disconnects from the content that's happening on the screen so you can click away. So always online, you're fighting this war of online attention. And that's one of the things that gamification does is that it keeps that audience leaning forward, hoping to see their name on the screen, hoping to win the necklace, hoping, wanting to see if Gwyneth Paltrow is going to sing memories. Hearing their name is just, it means like that it did for me in, on God, April 17th, 2007, when they said, Catherine Jones is watching from New York. And I went, oh my God, like all of a sudden, and I see this happen with audiences all the time. I'm going to say the silliest thing, but I mattered. And obviously that doesn't reflect at all my purpose in this world, but it made me feel a part of something in a really, really important way. Yeah. So feeling seen is key. That's what Catherine just said. Yeah. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. I want to talk yeah. about combining uh, what we've learned in oh. virtual with, with live theater. Let's talk about that a little bit going forward. Assuming we have a world where we can perform live and we can do live theater again, what is it from virtual the virtual world that we can take with us into that to to make that experience more successful or more more emotional? Well, this is or what more... I think. Besides live streaming, I mean, this is I'm not. Well, not don't say besides. Happy. Let's talk about that for a second because people don't know. I mean, think this about is what that. I do. This is what I've wanted to do since I don't know 2008, set seven. Like I think shows should be streamed every night, like the way that I'm going to see it on this weekend, the way they're doing with on um, Clyde's right now, because first of all. In terms of, of um, revenues, mostly what you see when you live stream a play is re ticket revenues for that play in real life go up. And I remember this is a, this is a national theater number from, oh God, the mid, the mid aughts. But when national theater live streamed to any town in England, the other theaters in that town saw an upsweep in their ticket sales by 10%. Because you're increasing the audience. You're like, you're growing awareness. You're giving people, whatever. I don't need to tell you why. It's obvious why. Well, there's, there's, there's a history. Also, there's a history of that. I mean, there's, there's a resistance yeah. in theater. Le Legally Blonde, as I as I recall, yes. was the first show to actually just go out there and say we're gonna we're gonna televise this, and everybody said, "Oh my God, you're gonna cannibalize your your ticket sales." And they didn't, right? It didn't really. It didn't improve the sales in New York to the point where it was doing noticeably better. But when they went on the road, when the tour Legally Blonde did very well. 
and it, a lot of it is it we believe is because the people have been aware of the product from seeing a tele broadcast. Yeah. And this is why I think it didn't help sales in New York, because the online audience is not, for the most part, looking to sit back and watch something. They're looking to lean forward and be part of something. So I think the way to capitalize on Legally Blonde is to include your audience in this experience. Have chat rooms, have pre-shows, have post-shows. Call those people out, because we know. You see it now on TikTok. You see it on Instagram. And like now there's a word for it. I used to talk about this all the time. You can turn everybody to your show into an influencer, <laughs> like small scale, large scale. They're all going to have fans there. Those fans are going to come back every night to see Bob Austin, his play, but also to see each other. I mean, this has been true since 2007, no pun intended. And it's more true now because now people can like publicize that. Oh, they're friends with Bob Austin. They can put that on Instagram. Like it's this kind of like vicious circle of uh, press or whatever you want to go and some of it's I mean some of it's horrible for our society so I'm speaking with work tongue but that aside like every person in your Broadway show can become an influencer they can have a fan base and that fan base wants to come meet you in New York it's just going to ultimately I think help New York tickets and certainly help tickets for for tours well I think we become a little uh, well Tracy Swedler was mentioning Broadway HD I think the last time you were on a panel it was with yeah it was with Stuart and Stuart and Bonnie wasn't it Yep, it was with Bonnie. I have been in panels with Stuart and Bonnie years ago, but this one was just time. It was just Bonnie. Yeah, so so Broadway HD is is building a, a, a community platform, as Tracy's pointing out. Broadway HD and, and Catherine are the two influences that have been pushing me to get more and more into into the uh, live streaming world. Now, let's talk about live streaming for a second, because a lot of people get confused about the terms. So we're doing a live theater production, and we're, you know we're back in live performance. What we're talking about now is having some form of videotaping of, of the performance that we're seeing so that it can also be seen by people beyond the theater, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's funny because I keep meaning to look up and I haven't. They're, they're, they are advertising Clyde as a simulcast. I'm like, why are they advertising that as a simulcast? And I don't know the answer to that. And I keep meaning to look up the definition of simulcast. Oh, it's a simultaneous transmission of the same program on radio and television or on two or more channels. So I guess they think because it's being happening, unless they're also doing it on the radio, or I guess... I it must be on more, one, one, more than one platform or something like that. I mean, if that's so, yeah. yeah. But I would call it a live stream if it's just like live and in person, and because I think it's confusing. So make a note, everybody. We are all confused about the difference between a simulcast <laughs> and a live stream. Uh, we don't have an answer for you, but it's a question for us to all research. So let's also talk about something that we we glossed over earlier: multiple use of multiple ca cameras. Um, oh, critical. When, yeah. So let's just talk about that. How many cameras do you think people need to use to make their video, um, their virtual presentation sophisticated? It depends what you're doing. Oh, Tracy, I'm sure has a, Tracy, of course, has the answer. We'll read that in a second um, about simulcast. It depends what you're doing. I would never do less than three ever, 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 ever. And I would do as many as you can. And this is what I mean. There was something that was live streamed years ago, years ago, years ago. And, um, the penultimate moment was a reveal of something very small upstage and it happened from the back camera. So all of this is about like, when you get down to the guts of it, it is about, is your audience leaning forward and engaged? And if I'm looking at a screen like this and the reveal is this little tiny thing way up here, my guts can't reach that. So like, if it's a two dimensional stream, what is going to connect deep within me? Probably a GoPro. 
right there on that little reveal. You know what I mean? Like you want to like be as creative with your cameras as you possibly can. You want to move them constantly. Like no, also when you we're still stuck, by the way, when we want to do a benefit performance, the theater authority agreement still says that, that you can only you can only photograph the actors by themselves in their home. So last year what we we did a lot of stuff not with multiple cameras, but with multiple angles. Yeah. So we, we you know you can you can film somebody from one angle, film the same scene or a different scene from a different angle. But again, this is where film takes over and theater kind of sort yeah, of lags behind. Video says, is a visual me? medium. Period the end. It is a visual, visual medium. If you're gonna do something that is not watchable, and I don't mean that as a negative, it's just not watchable, then it then really like I love when Jane is like making audio podcasts. That's a great thing to do because like I've been to some readings and I was like listened and watched and I found myself doing other things because I could just listen to it because video is a visual medium. So like if you're doing a still of something like that, like a shoot, you want to like find ways to tell that story in a very, very visual way because video is a visual medium. And I think people forget that, you know, like they think I can just like get on and talk. Like one of the things that makes me crazy that everybody does and I we're doing today in a way is like two person talking heads. And frankly, we're doing that today, but I don't think ultimately people watch them. They might listen to them, but I don't think people watch them because video is a visual medium. And it's, there's a reason why like back in 2007, eight, nine, 10, there were a lot of startups where video startups, maybe it was a little bit later. Seismic was one of them where you could do video as long as you want. And there's a reason why Instagram and, and most of them died. Instagram and TikTok limit the, the limit of your video because it's, just, it's just so you know, when I when I'm sitting here talking with you, I'm I'm um, going back and forth between speaker and, and gallery view. So just just so there's something else going oh, on. Oh good. Oh good. That's that's really so. You're kind of live. At, you're using Zoom as your live mixer. Great. Yeah. I mean, it, there's not a whole lot I could do. All I could do it's yeah. it's it's one one person or two people. But yeah, it's still great. it's still talking heads and friends and yeah yeah. And this, this is, there's a time and place for that. I mean, this is, this is appropriate. It's appropriate for us to be talking yeah. heads and frames for this. When I don't tell the story that way. When I first realized I had to make the transition into, into virtual, I thought about it and I thought, well, my panels, what's the difference between people sitting in a room, 60 people in a room with four people in chairs staring at them maybe in front of a, of, a, of a music stand or something. What's the difference between that and the visual of just having four people on a screen while you're sitting and watching? It's, it's the same thing. So I didn't think there was yeah. a big leap to go into panels. I think it's a little bit of one. And this is what, I mean, we do what we have to do and we'll continue to do what we have to do. And there's wonderful things about this. Like actors don't need to live in New York anymore. That's kind of great. But this is the reason why, like, if you can do something else, you should. Because human beings, when we're in, our, and I'm, again, saying stuff I know people know. When you are in a room with someone, your body is processing them on multiple levels. Your, your, um, your what is it? Your psychosystem. Somebody tell me. I, I have no English. Um, is, like, you're, you're assessing, like, you're able to assess people's body language. You, you assess their emotions. You assess their facial expressions. And you respond to that. And that is, and that's kind of like how we live in the world. And if you're an actor and if you'd like taken Meisner, like that is like the root of that work, but you can't do that in video. And it's actually one of the reasons why people get zoom fatigued is because your body is trying to take in all that information, but it doesn't exist. So that's why people in a room, I'll tell you something. That's why people in a room, I think is more powerful than just four talking boxes, unless you do something creative with that, but you do 
you do what you have to do, you know? Well, isn't it good that you didn't tell me that, like, <laughs> April of 2020? No, yeah, no, I just basically, that was that was the only way I, I gave myself permission to do this. It's like, okay, we're, you know, people are going to be watching the same way that they'd to. be watching us if we're on a if we're on a stage we're in a zoom we're in zoom boxes instead of yep. in front of in front of uh, music stands there's so much more i want to talk to you about but i, I want to open it up to the room I, I want people to actually give me give me your virtual hand raise or or let me know in some way put something in the in the chat to, so that i know you want to say something you want to want to make comment we've talked about a lot of things the the information has been flying by let's see ed on a very low end or in a I more have thoughts on ed's comment what would be a way of building audience response or even interaction into a video presentation of a dramatic work? Showing a chat would be a very low way, end way of doing it, but is it involving or does it make the distracting aspect, or or does the distracting as, aspect of it make it distancing? I want to say something about the first. Yeah. First of all, because we earlier, more, um, I think it was Fran Hanman talked about the fact that in Zoom we don't have audience feedback, we don't get laughter. If chat is handled in the right way, and that means somebody's got to be there in the in the chat. Somebody's got to be pushing people to to respond. Last year, in our benefit, the chat was just flowing during during all of the plays, and people were going, "Oh my God, that's amazing! Oh Jesus, you know, I can't believe this!" Blah blah blah, and and it was a community experience. People were getting the this the sense of being together, watching something. It's true that you can't quite. Get the repeat the feeling of, of laughter in a room, but you do get people who do an LOL or do a do a, an emoji, and it's not the same. I can't pretend it's the same, but there are ways of filling in some of the emotional gaps if you if you if you use the the medium consciously. That's the that's the thing. You can't just turn on turn on Zoom and say go. It requires a lot of. of manipulating and just watching things and, and, and making things happen. I would be better at, at this right now if I had uh, if I had my, my assistant or somebody really pulling out the comments and saying, Catherine said, says this, blah, blah, blah. I can't hold the conversation and do the same thing. I try as best as I can. So I think that the... Well, I, I, I just took this, pulled this away from you. It was a question to you. No, 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 no. You're giving me so many thoughts. Ed, I have a lot of thoughts about that. One is yes and also no. It depends who your audience is. Like I always try to have an option for the people to turn the chat off because some people don't want that. But for some young people, they're not interested in watching it. They also can't chat about it. And that is the way they experience their entertainment. And if we want a young, and you might be one of those people. I don't know who you are. You might be 17 years old. As long as they don't do that in a the live theater. Yeah, yeah, no. We and they do. And they do. And it really bugs me, except for that it means they're a different generation. And I'm trying to be more open-minded because we need our audiences to grow and the world is changing and that's how um, they respond. I had another thought about that too. And of course, like, you know, one of my favorite platforms that got bought by Kickstarter and then Kickstarter killed it was a platform called Huzzah, which had zero. I mean, this was back when, before Zoom really existed, it had no lag. It was amazing used for concerts, so not theater. So this is this is important. But people could, if they were approved, their little icon would pop up in the bottom right of the video and they could be dancing or they could be singing and they could be cheering live in real time. And for music, it was really 
fun. It was a really great way to like get the energy of the audience. You literally saw that person, but it was super, super fast. And that was a fun way to make that happen. But I just like them encourage people to be really open-minded that Gen Z and younger millennials experience entertainment really differently than we do. And what keeps us engaged is different from what keeps them engaged. Well, you got to know your audience. Yeah. Although it's, it's interesting because we all are, we're all are trying to get younger audiences. We've been trying that for right? years. We and have years to. And years. We have to. Um, oh, and I was going to say something else. This is like a real life thing. So my my husband is doing a farce right now in um at uh, South Carolina, North Carolina theater, whatever. It's a tiny little house, hundred fifty person house, small things, and they're only selling half the seats. And it's a farce. You cannot have a farce without laughter. I'm like they've got to pump in fake laughter. Like I'm, I mean, they won't listen to me, but I mean, you know. But I actually think that's a good idea <laughs> because you know a farce needs. To your point, Ed, a farce needs laughter, and 17 people in a big empty space probably aren't going to laugh. They don't have any help, so you got to find a way to make that virtual too. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of these are challenges. These are you know none of it's easy. We're doing the, all doing the best we can. Ralph, seniors are my base. Kids want want to be the show. Grownups just want to sit and watch others. Okay. That's so well put, Ralph. Kids want to be the show. They do. Yep, that makes sense. Um, Again, I'm encouraging people to put up their uh, virtual hands. Ralph, come in and, 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 or or not, or whatever. Just put your... Yeah, no, you you can hear me right, Bob. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Um, So, Catherine... um, I'm starting a collaboration with a co-director out on the West Coast, and we're starting to sort of put a team together. And I know we want to bring on uh, like a digital designer, a vision mixer, a showrunner. Do you have any like ideas of where we would go to sort of, I don't know, post a call to hire these sorts of people? Um, Not really. I I need to know that too. I have ideas, but not great ones. And this is the problem. Everybody has seen technology as the end. I mean, I said this earlier, as the end in and of itself. So most of the people who live stream are awesome, awesome people who know how to run a mixer and know how to like handle bandwidth and all that stuff. They aren't creatives. And I, that is like how I differentiate from everybody is that like, I know that stuff and not, I hire an, I hire an EID for every show, but I'm the creative. But that's really, because everybody's just seen this as technology and we're just finally going, oh, there's gotta be creativity added to this. So it's hard, however, there is there is a group on Facebook called Live Streaming Managers, which is filled with people who do the technical side of live streaming. But um, go look for Live Streaming Managers. I think it just became a public group. Post it there and you might find somebody. Um, Paul Smith wants to know, what do you feel about the use of synthetic of AI to embody live audience responses? It sounds horrible, but it might be amazing. I have no idea. What do you think? It sounds scary to me. <laughs> I know, but it might be amazing. You know, all of this stuff until you try it and and not only try it once. I mean, try it once and, do, and don't do it right and then try it again and maybe get it yeah. better. Um, that's that's what I that's the whole point of this today's discussion. It's like we're not going to throw I'm not going to throw a, away the virtual toolbox once we go into live theater. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Um, you reach a national audience. There is no other way to reach a national audience. And international. We usually have at least at least three or four people from around the world in, in our in our Zooms every every Friday. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you one other little thing to that point. The, the NFT community, and we can you guys can talk about NFTs another time. But they're the way they all say hello to each other is GM for good morning. 
because it's morning somewhere because it's such an international community. They're all on discord and it's good morning somewhere. I have a lot of Australians who come to my, to my zoom. It's like, what time is it there? It's nine o'clock in the morning, but we're fine. We love it. It's like, okay, I would not be up at nine o'clock in the morning for his, for anybody's zoom. Um, Sean Pollock, uh, talk to us. Hey, I have a question for you, Catherine. So first of all, I'm so excited about the work you're doing. It sounds so awesome. And as a millennial, I like couldn't agree more that we need to like do more to get young people involved. Young people love Twitch, Discord, the whole nine yards. Totally with you, 100%. Um, I have like a technical question here. Mm-hmm. So um, for some producers like myself that work on a budget, um, sometimes in New York we'll do showcase codes, right? And you can't film a showcase code without permission from equity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, you, I, I know they say no a lot. So I have a question. Is there like any, like, could you theoretically do a showcase code? Take some, okay, someone's saying SAG new media contract. So what I'm asking is, is can you do a showcase code live? The show closes and then you film it in broadcast because then it's not technically the same production, right? Or those, are two, no, those will be two different contracts. So basically your showcase code will be with equity. Um, after the show is, is, is finished, it's run. And if you are filming it, then you have to go into a, into a SAG contract. And When I it, tried doing this, but it was really long ago, SAG when SAG, equity wouldn't let SAG give me the contract because that's when they're like, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck, it's theater. But it's now probably eight years later. They might let you do it now, Sean. I know during during COVID so far, there have been con- contracts where people where equity has allowed. Well, I don't know who, whether it's equity or SAG. There's there's been there's been talk about contracts where where you do a live performance and simultaneously can. Oh, that's that's it because of because of the re- reduced theater space because everybody has to do fifty percent. They're allowing people to fo- to uh, shoot to film and live stream, and they give you a. They give you a math mathematical equation on how you can figure out how many tickets you can sell for live stream, but you're limited. Um, yeah, my understanding, because I know RK asked about this a little bit, I know almost nothing about the Clyde's contract, but my understanding is it is a very limited audience, which I think is real fucking ridiculous. But you know, RK, you, don't you know something about this? You, you've you've told me something about this, haven't you? Are you still here? Me? Yeah. No, RK Green. RK Green. Yeah. Hi. Did you tell me something about it? Because because of well, um, in Chicago, when the pandemic first hit, they allowed theaters that were uh, in, you know, were were currently playing, and nobody was coming to them to be able to um, slide stream to a an audience the size of their theaters, and that was a very limited time. And now that's two years ago. Um, you know, I've not found a way at all to really make this happen. So I was kind of interested to see what Clyde's was because doing. The costs don't. Well, I, it is also my understanding. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say. I mean, I don't know. Someone told me they got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar grant from somebody. I think uh, some uh. Black Lives Matter slash Georgia voter or something. Because I mean, you know, it's not. You know, I actually don't know what the play's about. I'm really excited to see it, but. um but my understanding is they got a $250,000 grant. I think they're streaming 10 performances, which is frankly not that much money for two, for two, for 10 performances because, um, I mean, it's just super labor intensive. Streaming is labor intensive. It's expensive because the equipment is expensive and it's labor intensive. 
And I can't imagine, like to your point, RK, like if you can only stream to 60 people, you can't possibly make up the cost for that streaming, not if you're going to do it in any kind of way that works. No, it's almost a lost leader yeah. type of thing. Yes. But if you're going to be creating, wanting to create an audience, you know, that's it. I, mean, uh, I was investigating it when I was looking to put a smaller show into 59 East 59th Street and wanted to promote the show to its next stage. But um, pandemic got in the way. Jane Dubin has her hand up. Jane, what did you want to add? Um, I, I Don't quote me on any of this, but I think the formula for how many people can watch a live stream has to do with, number one, how many, uh, some percentage of the available seats, uh, live seats, and assuming that the live seats are not sold out for this run, it's more that it's going to be more seats than you think there are the, uh, you know, available tickets for people to watch. It's not just based on that show. I think it's based on the entire run. So if the theater was empty, for example, and I think it's like a 200 something seat theater, they could sell, you know, a portion above that. But if this theater was empty for all 30 or however many performances there were, then that's the number of tickets you could sell, if that makes any sense. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to close on 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 these these notes of of, of question here. Uh, we we don't really know. We'll have to look more into that. I will put together a panel uh, to to see whether I'm gonna look into what are the possibilities of doing uh, live performance with the live stream component. I know that we want to do that for our panels and our workshops, and I don't have to worry about unions being involved in those decisions. But um, I think it a good case can be made that. For theater in general, we can't just throw away what we've learned in co during COVID. We have to be given the opportunity to take that with us going forward. So that's my wish. I don't know whether it's going to be the reality or not. I do think that I've heard Martin Platt, I think, Bob? has talked to me about combinations of uh, live streaming and, and live performance that, that are going to be possible with sp specific contracts Bob? going forward. Yes, who? Oh, Is good. This? Bob? Bob, there's a New York Times article, but it says the virtual tickets will be limited in number, probably to around two to three hundred a performance. The theater will cap the number of streaming tickets sold so as not to exceed the total capacity of the theater over the course of the plays. Run. And then the big question is: is for all of us, is always pricing. How do you price this? I mean, is it they're pricing the tickets the same as they said the? This is at the beginning. I'm sure there's other tickets, but they're pricing them at $59. I thought they were $39, but I paid 59. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot. It, it's the same as, it's the same as a, a ticket in the house. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, then that's not a Broadway show. I mean, Broadway shows obviously would, I don't know what, what that would be, what would look like if Broadway shows started doing this. My, my point for today is I really want us to think in terms of being able to take new tools with us into the future. I sound like you tell, talking to me two, in 2007, don't hey, I? <laughs> yeah. Good. Yay, so, COVID. Yay, yay, COVID. Yeah, something good came out of it. And I'm going to uh, stop now because I want to have time for people to meet each other in breakout rooms. Catherine, are you able to stay and meet people? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving this house till Monday morning, probably. And I'm not leaving the house for two weeks. <laughs> oh, Lord. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being with us today. I, I appreciate your taking the time to check us out and, and see what we have to say and see the conversations that we're sharing every week. 
people out there, subscribe to our channel. That would be great if you could. Everybody in the room, subscribe to the subscribe to our channel if you if you can, and donate to us. We do need money to keep running. <laughs> this doesn't all happen for free. I've got a, I've got people to pay. At least I don't have venues to have to pay for it right now. That's a big expense that's going to come into back into my budget once we're going live again. Such a different different model. Yep. Uh, I'm very proud of what we've done at True over over the year and a half, almost two years. I think we've adapted well. Uh, and we've adapted successfully, both in terms of content and in terms of finances. But I do need your, I do need your ongoing support. Don't start taking us for granted. It's not, not, not a good idea. We, we, we may not be here if you take us for granted. TrueDonate.com, T-R-U-Donate.com. So anybody who can help us, we appreciate it. We also are looking for sponsors. Sponsors are $1,000, $2,500, and $5,000 sponsors. There's three different levels. Um, we, you get... Uh, you you get a, a, a your logo hyperlinked on our website. Every page sponsors appear on every page of our website. You can't not see our sponsors if you go through our website. So that's it. Help us if you can, and thank you for being with us, and thank you for being part of the true community, everybody. And if you're not part of the true community, come join us. Come join us on Fridays at five o'clock every week. Oh, next week I'm doing an interview with Jim Kirstead, producer Jim Kirstead. He's going to talk a little bit about about Broadway Virtual, which is the pivot he made during COVID and created a whole virtual production company. And he's going to talk about other stuff too. And then um, in two weeks we have, is the great white way getting a little less white? Sort of a sensitive conversation about DEI and the need for change right now in our world and in our business. So stay with us, be part of us. That's it. We Thank you. We need to talk about something. 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 We need to talk about Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence.
Electricast. Electricast.